Hallelujah. Come on. Come on, somebody. What's his name? Oh, come on. I said, what's his name? Happy Resurrection Sunday to you all. Come on. Hallelujah. I could sing that song all day. I think we should end with that again. Come on now, right? What's his name? Jesus. Come on, what's his name? Jesus. Come on, he's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, resurrected, amen. Come on. I just love picturing him just in the grave. And that sounded, that sounded dull, didn't it? But, but I love picturing him in the grave and just, you know, just, what was that like? The moment that Jesus come back alive, stood up. Come on now. What was that like? I wish we had a camera or some kind of selfie in the tomb that day just to see what it was like when the Son of God came alive. Man, it's great to be in church with you on Resurrection Sunday. I want to welcome everybody to church. I particularly want to say welcome as well to our new people today. If you're new, we've got a gift for you after the service out in the lobby out there. I also want to make a special note. Uh, we've got a service running in Audubon as well. And, and check it out. And our first ever service in Allwine this morning. Come on. Come on, welcome Allwine. So in all of our campuses, wherever you are, after the service, every new person, please let us give you a gift. Go out the doors and in the lobby, there's a team of people wearing bright fluorescent yellow shirts and that's our gotcha crew. And they're called that because they got you, all right? Whatever you need, they got you and they're gonna get you a t-shirt and a gift to say thanks for coming to Eternity Church today. So, so God bless you. Uh, we've got baptisms next week in Clive and in Audubon. Uh, in Owine, Pastor Sean, our campus director, is going to be preaching and lots of cool things going on in and around the state of Iowa at Eternity Church. Who thinks next year we need to run Eternity Conference and get all of our churches together and... <laughs> worship God in one room. Lots of cool things, amen. But, but right now what I want to do is I want to read to you from John chapter 20. I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 10. That's John chapter 20. So wherever you are, open up your Bibles. Uh, maybe you've got it on your phone. That's okay. Um, if you don't have a Bible on your phone and you don't have one in your hand, download one, all right? Olive Tree makes a great one. Download a Bible on your phone so that no matter where you are, you can read the Word of God. So, All right, verse 1 from chapter 20 of John. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. She ran and went to, to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they've put him. So Peter went with the other disciple and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Don't you just love that that's in there? 
I'm like, can you imagine how annoyed Peter is about this verse, right? For the rest of eternity, every single Resurrection Sunday, someone's going to read how Peter was the slow disciple. So the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes, uh, cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there in the face cloth, um, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the other cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. See, up to this point, they didn't understand that. He must rise from the dead. Why? It says in verse 10, then the disciples went back to their homes. <clears throat> Come on, church, I want to pray with you right now. Wherever you are, just lift up your hands if you just want to receive from God today. Or one hand, two hands, whatever. Just, just make a step of faith right now. God, I want to receive from you at Eternity Church this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you've done for us. That you died for our sins. That you paid the price to set us free. Thank you that your resurrection wasn't just so you could prove how cool you are, but that so we could resurrect too and be alive in Christ. That Friday wasn't all there was. That it's not only about forgiveness, but it's also about us living in the fullness of God and how each and every one of us can experience a resurrection power in our lives, that we can overcome sin, that we can overcome addiction, that we can overcome brokenness, that we can overcome confusion and we can live a life that honors you. That no matter how low we go, we can see resurrection. That no matter how dead we get in our sin, we can have a resurrection. Thank you for the cross, for the tomb, and for the resurrection. Help us today to not just sit here and listen like another story is being told that we have already heard or know, but help us to be reminded, God, not just in our minds, but in our hearts, that there is more to this Christian life than just getting away with our sin. There is more. There is more life, there is more hope, there is more power, there is more resurrection. God, thank you that the King is still here. And someone who loves the Lord, say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Now, now, I want you to do something for me. At risk of angering Mel Gibson uh, uh, and his son, uh, Heath Ledger, and every other patriot in the room, someone yell out, Long live the King! And you, and you may take your seats. I don't know, we've probably angered some patriots in the room. Hey, I'm a patriot, we're all patriots, but long live the king. Can I get an amen? Today we are going to talk about how the king is still here. Come on, the king is still here, amen. And I want to warn you, I didn't come to church today to, to just preach I came to church today to get some blood on my feet, all right, as we just stomp, stomp, stomp on the devil's head today, amen. Today, I didn't come here just to tickle some ears. I came here to pick a fight with the devil. I came here to, to see some more people set free in their lives, to see some more people snatched out of darkness, set up in the light, amen. But the title of my message today is, The King is Still Here, because he's not an earthly king, my friends. He's the forever king. <clears throat> he's not like a term-limited president where you get a good one and then you get a bad one. And then you hope that after that you might get another good one, but maybe you get a bad one again. You just don't know, right? But our God is the forever king. 
He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. You don't ever have to worry about whether the next king is going to be good or not because he's always going to be the king. You don't need to worry about, about if the power is going to go to his head because his goodness is perpetual. You don't need to worry about if he's going to die in office because he defeated death and resurrected, amen? He's the resurrected king. You don't ever need to worry about if he's got enough votes in the House or enough votes in the Senate to get the job done because he's the Alpha and the Omega, amen? You don't need to worry about if his kingdom will come to an end one day, if it's all going to fall over one day because his kingdom knows no end. He's the forever king. That's your king, church. Can someone say amen? amen? Come on now. See, I've got some good news for you. He's the forever king. He's still the king, and he's still here for you. People sometimes say, oh, you shouldn't make the gospel about us. Can I tell you a secret? It is about us. Come on now. It, it, it is about us. It's about he wanted to be in relationship with us, so sent his son to die on a cross for us. Come on now. And I want to tell you, he's still here for us. I want to look at three people that Jesus came to, that Jesus appeared to after the resurrection. I want to look at what Jesus was like after the resurrection, before the resurrection, and in the Old Testament for each of them. So today we're going to talk about how he appeared to Mary, how he appeared to Thomas, and how he appeared to Peter. So first let's go to Mary. You can get your Bibles to John chapter 20, verse 14. See, Mary went to the tomb, and she did not see the Lord. She was weeping. She was brokenhearted. And she, she was brokenhearted that, that, that God, that, that Jesus had been murdered, and that it seemed like his body had been taken and tampered with. And in verse 14 it says, having seen this, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? See, Jesus knew that preacher trick that it's not true if you can't alliterate it like that. If it doesn't rhyme, it's not on time, you know, he knew that. He said, so woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking, right? Supposing him to be the gardener, Mary said to Jesus, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him that, that I may take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary... And she turned to him, and in Aramaic, she said, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Come on, someone say, I have seen the Lord. <laughs> See, He's still the king of the brokenhearted. Come on, Jesus is still the king of the brokenhearted. <clears throat> After the resurrection, he appeared to the brokenhearted just like he did before the resurrection because he's always been there for the brokenhearted. In John 11, before the resurrection, we see that after the death of Lazarus, his sisters, that is Lazarus' sisters, were weeping, and John wrote about it. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid Lazarus? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. And so the Jews who were there said, see how he loved him. In the Old Testament, Isaiah wrote in his prophecy about the Savior, 
He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Come on now. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 147, Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. I'm here to tell you that he's still the king of the brokenhearted, amen? He's still the king of those who weep. He's still the king of those who are hurt. He's still the king of those who feel crushed. If your heart is broken, God sent me to tell you today that he's the same king today as he was when the psalmist wrote that he heals the wounds of the broken and he binds up their wounds. Listen to me, if you're brokenhearted, God sent me here today to tell you he's the same king that appeared to Mary. He's the same king that appeared to Lazarus' sisters. He's the same king that Isaiah wrote about. He's the same king that the psalmist wrote about, amen. And listen, if you need him, ask for him. At the end of our service today, we're going to have a time of prayer down the front here. And if your heart is broken, if something's been taken from you, if you feel abandoned, if something broke your heart, if you're living in that, then you need to be at the altar call. The brokenhearted need to be at the altar call. He's the king of the brokenhearted. The altar will be open in Owine. The altar will be open in Audubon. The altar will be open in Clive. He's the king of the brokenhearted. And if you're brokenhearted, you can leave today brokenhearted or you can come and ask God to heal your heart. You can leave I mean, you can come here today uh, all, all, all crushed and carrying a heavy burden, and you can leave with that, or you can come today and ask God to release you from that heavy burden, amen? I don't know about you, but I want to be the guy who, when I have a need, and God presents me with an opportunity to see my need met, I want to say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, come and do a work in my life, amen? So if you're brokenhearted, you need to be at the altar call today because he's the king of the brokenhearted. Amen. <clears throat> he also appeared to Thomas. In verse 24, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told Thomas, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I, that's Thomas, said to them, Unless I see the in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, Thomas was playing a dangerous game. I don't recommend you make statements like that. I will never unless, I wouldn't make statements like that, but thank God, God was willing to come and play Thomas's game for a day and show Thomas what Thomas needed to see to lift his faith. It says in verse 26, eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. <clears throat> put out your hand, place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. See, he's still the king of the confused and the doubting. Listen to me, he's still the king of the confused and he's still the king of the doubting. See, after the resurrection, uh, he appeared to Thomas to show him that those who have doubt, that those who are a little bit confused, 
that there's still a place for you, that he's still your king, he's still your savior, amen. Last week after church um, here in Des Moines, we hired the Palms Theater for two screenings of the Jesus Revolution. Uh, next time we'll have to do that in cities all over the state, and that'll be exciting as well. But after each service, um, after each screening of the Jesus Revolution, we took the opportunity to preach the gospel and gave people a chance to give their lives to Christ. And over 20 people gave their lives to Christ in those screenings. Come on now. Someone give the Lord some praise. Now, in the movie, we see a young man named Greg. Now, Greg was searching for the truth. He was sitting in the church. He was going to the services. Uh, he was lifting his hands. He was praying. He was reading the word. He was full on for Jesus. But after a while, some tough stuff came up. Some confusing stuff happened in the church and in those around him, and he began to doubt if it was all real or not. He started to think, oh, maybe this is like all the so-called dads I've had in my life, and they come for a while, and then they leave. He started to doubt that it was permanent, thinking maybe it's temporary. But in his heart, he wasn't looking for an excuse to sin. He wasn't looking for an excuse to rebel. He wasn't looking for an excuse not to believe. He was looking for the truth. He wanted to believe, but he wanted to make sure that it was real before he gave his life to it. <clears throat> he wanted to submit his whole life to Jesus Christ. Greg was like Thomas, full on for Jesus, but had some doubts. And can I tell you that just because there's a little bit of doubt in your life doesn't mean that he's not the Lord of your life. Too many people, the super Christians, you know, well, uh, it's not, they're not doing it on purpose, but sometimes when you hang out with the super Christians, you start to, you walk away and you're like, oh man, if only I had faith like that, you know. You know the people who, 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 if the Holy Spirit speaks to them and says, yo, go give Steve your truck, and immediately they're like, Steve, here's my truck. And you're like, man, I wish I had faith like that. Anybody else? Because then there's other people and the Holy Spirit's like, go give Steve your truck. And you're like, cool story, bro. <laughs> and he's like, no, go give, go give Steve your truck. And you're like, no, I might want you to write that in the sky for me. But not with a jet that some human can do. I'm thinking like with a saucer or something like that. You know, some UFO. Just go write, give your truck to Steve. And then when we see that, we're going to like, but it didn't say Jesse. So that must have been for Doug. That, that was for somebody else, right? right? And sometimes we're like, man, I, I wish I had faith like those guys. Listen, be like Thomas. Keep hanging out with the disciples. Even in your doubt, you'll see your faith grow. Say yes to the little steps of faith. Say yes to coming to church next week. Say yes to being on the service team. Say yes to tithing. You know what? If you want to have the faith that can give your truck away, you might want to start with the faith that can tithe. <laughs> Come on now, right? Just start a little bit smaller than your truck. Someone say amen. Be like Greg. Keep a heart that wants to know the truth and wants to live your life God's way. And you will see that he is real. When Thomas was doubting, Jesus appeared to him and showed him what he needed to activate his faith. Come on now. He didn't tell him everything, but told him enough to lift Thomas's faith. You'll always need a little bit of faith though, amen? But God's always been the king of the confused and the doubting. Before the resurrection, before his death, his burial, and his resurrection, 
he appeared to another man who was doubting. Mark chapter 9 records Jesus' interaction with another doubter, a father who brought his demon-possessed son to Jesus, hoping to see him set free. The father tells Jesus that his son has been possessed since childhood, and he says to God, he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, please set him free. And Jesus replies, what do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible for those who believe. And the father replies with one of the most encouraging moments in scripture, and he says to Jesus, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Listen, Jesus has always been king of the doubters. He's always been willing to come and lift the faith of those who truly seek him, but have a little bit of doubt. In the Old Testament, we see that the king appears to those who seek him. When the prophet Jeremiah wrote of the Lord, you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you, and you will seek me, and you will find me, and when I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So I want to tell you today, if you're in church today, and you've come, but you're not quite sure what you want to do with this, you're not quite sure, do I want to go all in on this Jesus thing? Do I want to go all in on this church plant? Do I want to go all in on this big church in Clive? Do I want to go all in on this faith life? Do I really want to try and live my life? God's way. I want to tell you, it's okay to have a little bit of doubt. And God sent me here today to tell you that he's the same king today as he was when the prophet wrote, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Amen. He's the same king today and he's here for you. Amen. And some of y'all have got a little bit of doubt. Maybe God spoke to you about something you need to do in your life. Maybe he spoke to you about a change that you need to make in your life. Maybe there's something you need to let go of, but you've got your doubts. Maybe it's time for you to just go all in because you've just been sort of playing it safe a little bit, keeping your cards close to your chest, and maybe God's telling you it's time to go all in, but there's been some doubt. I don't know what the doubt's about. Whether you're having a doubt about a step of faith, a reconciliation, or your whole faith. But at the end of this service, I heard we're going to have a time of prayer down the front. And if your heart is confused... If the devil's been whispering sweet nothings in your ear that have confused you, in your faith, in your life, in God's design and plan for your life, well, if you've got a little bit of doubt, the confused and the doubting need to be at the altar call today. He's still the king of the confused. You may have come here confused, but you don't have to leave confused. You may have come here in doubt, but you don't have to leave doubting. You can leave confused, you can leave doubting, but you can also come and ask God, show me the hole in your hands. Show me the hole in your side. And who knows, perhaps today God might give you the boost that you need to activate your faith again, like he did for Thomas after the resurrection. Someone say amen. You have to excuse me, my voice is playing tricks on me today. I guess that's what happens when you deliver a message five times in a row, two weekends in a row, right? Anyway... Shall we look at Peter? In John chapter 21, I'm going to read it straight from the Bible. I just like reading from my Bible better than from this little brick here. Anybody else? I'm an old-fashioned kind of guy. I'm not that old, though. At least I don't think so. Shave my beard off. 
Had knocked about 40 years off my life. Any, anyone agree? No, 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 just laughter, no, 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 no encouragement. All right. All right. John chapter 21, verse 15 to 19. It says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep, feed my lambs. And Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, then tend to my sheep. And Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, then feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk everywhere you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying all this, he said to him, follow me. <clears throat> follow me. I love that after the resurrection, I love that Jesus ends his conversation with Peter saying to him the exact same thing that he said to him that first day they ever met. Follow me. You see, Peter was known <clears throat> as like the super disciple. Like Peter's the one who's like, Jesus can walk on water, well I can too. He's like jumping out of the boat, you know what I mean? Yeah, we all like pick on him, you, you of little faith, because he started to like, to, to, to sink in the water. But when did you get out of a ship? and start walking on the water, right? Honestly, if he sunk straight away, I'd still be like, that is a lot of faith, right? Man, Peter was like a super disciple. He was like, he was like the, the Brian Houston of his day or the, the Billy Graham of his day or the, the Martin Luther of his day. But man, he messed up. Man, did he ever mess up. With all the pressure of being the man being the best, being one that everybody looked up to. But when the rubber hit the road and there was some pressure applied to his faith, man, he broke. That dude caved in. When Jesus was on the cross on Good Friday, two days ago, when Jesus was watching, someone asked Peter, hey, aren't you one of his disciples? Peter's like, nah, bro. And then they asked him again, nah, aren't you one of his disciples? He's like, no, nah, it wasn't me. <clears throat> They're like, no, nah, I'm sure it is. We caught it on camera. He's like, wasn't me. <laughs> Three times in a row. If you don't get it, it's like, you caught it on camera? Was anyway, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> and Peter's like, wasn't me. I don't know him. Then the rooster crowed. Three times, just like Jesus predicted that it would. And Peter remembered the word that Jesus spoke and suddenly his heart was filled with grief. Peter feels like a failure, like it's all over for him. How can you possibly recover from a failure like that? When you, the, your Savior's on a cross, whipped, beaten, bruised, holes in his hand and side, crown of thorns, blood dripping everywhere. And at that moment, 
You can't even admit you know the bloke. But Jesus appears to Peter because he's still king of those who feel like a failure. And he says, follow me. Jesus has always been the king of the failures too, though. I think about the Samaritan woman at the well. Five failed marriages. But here is Jesus to lift her up. There's Jesus showing her the way to eternal life. And when people see him talking to her, they literally say to Jesus, why are you talking to her? Some of you know how it feels to be the person that no one wants to be seen talking to. Some of you know how it feels to be the person who's such a failure that others would be embarrassed to be seen standing next to you. Firstly, I want to tell you at Eternity Church, we're not embarrassed to be your friends. We're not embarrassed to have you in our church. But more importantly than how we feel, Jesus is not ashamed of you. And he's not ashamed to be standing next to you. And he's not ashamed to be seen talking to you. And he's not ashamed to encourage you. And you're allowed to lift your hands in his church. No matter how great your failure was, no one here is going to look down on you. Or if they do, it's just because they've got some sin in their life too. Our church won't burn down if you raise your hands and worship here. Because this is his church. And he is still the king of the failures. But he's always been the king of the failures. I think about even in the Old Testament, I think about Adam and Eve in the garden. Man, did they mess up. Anyone in this room got, ever had a sin problem in their lives now or in the past? Come on, anybody ever had a sin problem in their lives? Give me a wave. Come on, give me a wave. Come on, come on, be real with me right now. Yeah, that's Adam and Eve's fault. <laughs> Man, did they mess up, right? They messed up. And what did God do? He goes to the garden and covers their sin. But check it out. Firstly, it is interesting, isn't it, that the first time sin entered into the world, it messed with people's maleness and femaleness and caused shame right there. I find it fascinating that after sin entered the world, they were ashamed of the parts of their body that make them distinctively male or distinctively female. That is fascinating, isn't it? It's interesting, the devil's still doing the same thing today. Just messing with the same areas of people's lives that he was at the start. But so because of sin in the world, Adam and Eve are like, no, no, we're naked, dude, don't come see us. Right? So they're ashamed of these kind of areas. So what does God do at that moment? He makes a sacrifice. And out of the sacrifice, he uses its blood, its body, to cover that which made them ashamed. He's always been in the business of covering that which makes you ashamed. Listen, yes, you might know that at Eternity Church, we lift up a high standard of truth and we talk about it. And we're not ashamed to talk about what's right and what's wrong. But what we don't do is come and find an individual and say, and try and find what's wrong in their life and uncover their shameful things. 
We're in the business of when we find what's wrong in someone's life, helping cover that shame in their lives. He's always been the king of the failures. And if you feel like a failure, God sent me here today to tell you that he is the same king today as he was when King David the psalmist, after great failure, wrote, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. So if you feel like a failure, I heard there's going to be an altar call today. And those who feel like a failure need to be at that altar. Because if you feel like a failure, Jesus says to you again, come, follow me. I love that he says after failure, that which he said before the failure, come, follow me. Now we're going to have a time of prayer down the front. And so if everyone could stand up with me, don't leave, I'm finished. I've, I've preached my sermon really quick on purpose. We've got another 15 to 20 minutes of church. It's important that you know that I don't normally preach sermons this quick because if you're new here today, I don't want you to be filled with a false sense of security (laughs) that this is the church that has those real quick sermons. You need to know that if that's what you're looking for, Eternity Church ain't it. All right? This ain't it. You need to go somewhere else if you want to punch in and punch out. But we're going to open the front for prayer in just a moment. And the brokenhearted need to be at that altar. The confused and the doubting need to be at that altar. And those who feel like a failure need to be at that altar. It's important that you know too, I don't just say those who feel like a failure, but those who are failures. And I say that not to be mean, but to be honest with you. Too often people say, like, I feel like a failure, and people are like, you didn't fail. You just found another way not to do it. And that's garbage. You failed. Let's just call it what it is. You failed. But knowing that it is failure, knowing that God's grace still covers it, is powerful. He doesn't cover just the things that feel like failures. He covers the actual failure. Amen. And so those who are in failure have failed need to be at the altar as well. But first I wanna pray with people who are away from Jesus. So in every campus, I want you all to listen. I want you to give your life to Jesus Christ. Scripture says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. So I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. But I wanna warn you about something, okay? I, I, I used to be the guy that would tell you this. Give your life to Christ. It's gonna be awesome. And it is, but I want to be honest with you. It's also going to be hard, okay? If you give your life to Christ today, it is not going to be easy, but it is going to be better, okay? Your life will be better if you give your life to Christ. Not everything in the Word of God is easy, but everything in the Word of God is better. See, here's the thing. We don't give our lives to Christ and then go live the same life that we did beforehand. What would be the point? I don't want you to come to church 
give your life to Christ and go home with nothing but a new set of songs to play on your Spotify account. Like you're like, go home, live the exact same life, but now you've got Hillsong and Elevation. And that's great. I love them too. But he died to give you a better life. Not the same life with new songs. Not the same life with a better soundtrack. Come on now. He died to give you a better life. So yeah, there are some things in your life that need to change. Yes, you may need to stop doing something. Maybe there's some mindsets that that are going to need to be transformed by the power of God. Yeah, there might be some habits. There might be some things that need to be healed. There might be some addictions that need to be broken. There might be some confusion that needs to be cleared up. But, But listen to me, I promise you that though it's not easy, life with God is better. God's way is better. I'm here to tell you that God's way is better than the world's way. The world's way is not working. Everybody's got more stuff than they've ever had before. They got, we got, we got $1,200 to $1,500 to $1,800 phones in our pockets. We got, we got devices that can get any information in the world. We can drive cars that are fast or slow. We can eat. We, 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 we're so blessed. We can drive old pieces of crap on purpose because it's nostalgic. And yet with all that, suicide has skyrocketed. Feels like everybody has a therapist. Feels like everybody's on, on antidepressants. Everybody needs anti-anxiety to get, why? Because look, this anything goes life, it ain't working. This easy pop a pill life, it ain't working. This easy do what you want life, it's ruining people. So I don't wanna give you a new playlist I want to help you find a new life, a better life, the life that God designed for you. So I admit to you today, it's not always going to be easy, but you won't be alone. He said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. And on top of that, we'll be your church family. We'll be here to help you. Live the life that God planned for you because His way is better. So I want you to pray a prayer with me, but you don't have to pray it alone. Every person in Old Wine will pray this out loud. Every person in Audubon will pray this out loud. Everyone in your living room should together, because you don't know the state of the heart of the person next to you, everybody should pray this prayer together out loud. So the new person, so the person who needs to do business with God today can pray it boldly with us. Because I know that in a room this big with this many people can be intimidating to pray out loud. It also can be intimidating when there's just one other person in the room. So let's everybody together pray this together so that the people doing business with God today can have a bit more boldness in their faith, amen? So everyone in the room, give your life to Christ and especially those away from God, repeat after me, dear God, I believe, I believe, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He died on a cross, paid the price for my sin, and He rose again to give me life, hope, joy, peace, and the power to live a better life. So I repent from my sins, and I ask for your forgiveness, and ask for your help 
to live this life your way, the better way. So please speak to me, lead me, guide me and help me to live the life that you planned for me. You are now my Lord and my Saviour and I submit my life to you and your authority. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. Amen, someone give the Lord a shout of praise, hallelujah. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time today, or if you prayed that prayer for the first time and you were recommitting your life to Christ after walking away, either way, I wanna give you a gift this week because you're a Christian now. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. You're our brother or our sister in Christ. And we wanna bless you with a Bible this week. So we need you to do us a favor. Text the word SAVED to the number 515-335-0335. You can scan the barcode. It should be on the back of your seats as well. All of those details will be on our social media after church. That's at My Eternity Church. Um, and so if you do that, we're gonna send you a Bible in the mail this week because I told you there's a better way to live your life and you can read all about it in the Word of God, all right? Hey, in the, in the very beginning, right, uh, uh, the devil comes to Eve and says, did God really say? Started to twist the words of God. She didn't know the Word of God. Adam hadn't communicated what God said to him properly or she didn't listen to it. I don't know what happened, but she didn't know it. But if you read it, you'll know it. And when the devil comes to you and says, did God say, you can say, get behind me, devil. I know what God said. Strengthen your faith. Get in the word of God. Maybe you want one today. Just grab someone in one of those yellow shirts and say, have you got a Bible? I want to read mine today. And they will say, I got you. And they'll give you a Bible. God bless you. Lastly, though, before we come down the front for prayer, for anyone who wants prayer, I want to know who prayed that prayer. So if everyone in the room could close their eyes and please bow your head, look down for a moment, give people privacy as they take their first and greatest faith step of their life so far. Probably the greatest faith step they'll ever take. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to lift up your hand and hold it up for five seconds. The reason I want you to do that is number one, I want you to take your first faith step as a new believer and tell me who you are so I know who I'm praying for today. No one's looking around. No one at all is looking around. So when I count to three, I want you to lift your hand up. I'm not gonna point you out. I'm just gonna count off the people here in Clive and the campus pastors are gonna count off at our campuses. But right now, I just wanna know who prayed that prayer. So we can celebrate with the angels in heaven that God has more sons and daughters now. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, or the first time in a long time, up your hand and hold it up. One, two, three. Shoot it up all over this place. Hold it up. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Thirteen. You can put your hands down. Come on, church. Let's pray for these thirteen brothers and sisters that are at Clive and however many more in Audubon and in Wine and online. Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that the family of God is always growing. Heavenly Father, thank you for life and salvation found in your house. That none of us have gone too far, gone too low, or got too dead in our sins. That we all can have a resurrection.
because of the resurrection power of Jesus. God, I pray that you break the shame and the pain of their past mistakes off their life. Help them, God, to discover the truth, to discover the truth of your plans for them, your design for them, what you've called them to be, what you can do in their lives. Help them to experience your healing power, your restoration power, your resurrection power. God, I pray that you would restore right now to them the joy of your salvation and they would leave this place full of peace in their hearts, finally at peace with God, their creator. In Jesus' name, someone say amen. 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 Can we give God just one more shout of praise? Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at myeternitychurch. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.